0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Double Cleanse podcast with me, Robert Welsh. And me, James Welsh. We are... Um... <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna say. say. <laughs> we are, we are many things. Um, today we have a very special episode, and it's actually one of my favorite episodes, we've recorded it already. It's one of my favorite episodes we've done so far, because I feel like mm. we both um, learn a lot from that episode, and like... Um, really kind of got into the subject quite deep. Mm. So, today we are speaking to the founder of Very Good Light is a beauty and skincare um, online publication, primarily aimed at younger Millennials and Gen Z. Um, He is also the founder of Good Light, the skincare brand, which I am loving at -hmm. the moment. And now, also a author, which we're going to talk about in a little bit throughout. The reason why David is joining us today is because we want to touch on a little bit about um, gender, I guess, and gender identity within um, the beauty space. Not just skincare, um, not just makeup, but it goes a bit deeper as far as, you know, why we have in place the kind of um, gender stereotypes and roles we have in in beauty. And I think the thing we we both liked about Good Light as well, the skincare brand, is when you look at that, and again we talk about it in, in this, but when you look at the advertising and the products itself, it doesn't feel like, it feels like everyone's included, and we do talk about that a little bit later on. So we thought, what a Mm -hmm. great person, and a great brand to um, kind of dive a little bit deeper into gender stereotypes in beauty. Yeah, but as we said, we feel like David is pretty much the perfect person to talk about this subject. His work has appeared um, everywhere, from like Nylon, to Vogue, to GQ. And he's also been nominated for a GLAAD award as well. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so you know, it's Pride Month right, here in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, and we kind of want, wanted to get a bit of pride in here somewhere. Yeah, a bit pride in here somewhere. <laughs> hey, somewhere. Listen, they... while we're talking about mm. the products, because this is a skincare beauty podcast, just mm. quickly tell us about the products themselves as well. Like, what is it you love? Are we both use them. Mm. I, with skincare, i be like, oh my god that's so nice, but I don't know why. So... Yeah. If you so the skincare at real. the moment, it's three products. It's a cleanser, a serum, and... And a toner. Um, it, it's kind of like again It's it's kind of this really amazing in-between of the simplicity in skincare that people want, from like non-stripping cleansers um to barrier skin repairing serums, but all with a bit of a personality, all with kind of like a story behind mm. it. Um, and all with something that you relate to in a strange way. I know that sounds weird but again we'll we'll get more into it. Mm, But they're just very good products that go more than just being functional, which is something I really, really look for in skincare. I want my skincare to be a brand, and to be a story, and to stand for something. I feel that's what this brand does really, really well. So should we start? oh, before we get into it, we have a yes. discount code for you for the skincare. Yeah, so if you use the code DOUBLE, you get, it's, it's a really good deal. So you get, it's buy one get one free. So if you use the code DOUBLE, so you can basically buy you can get the whole um, skincare line from just buying two products. Yeah, can... I would, I would highly recommend because there's only three products at the moment. So mm. if it's buy one, get one free, buy the cleanser, get the mm. toner free, whatever, buy the serum, then I would actually double up on the cleanser because you're going to go through it so quick because it's going to become your favorite cleanser because it's yeah. simple, non-stripping, but really, really effective. If you use it on dry skin, you could use it as a double cleanse. You are going to love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really, really a good skincare that's just like, no, um, it's not confusing, it's not too much, it's just the perfect amount for me, as someone who mm-hmm. isn't like so into skincare but needs to know I'm using good stuff. And, isn't good, and advert, this, this isn't advert. Yeah, I was going to say, this anything. isn't advert or sponsor, <laughs> exactly. they've just very kind of given us it a code. <laughs> so it's a code yeah. double, and you get, it's buy one get one free, which is such, such a good deal. So good, yeah. So thank good. you so much for giving yeah. us that code for our listeners. Should we get into it? Let's get straight into it. Here you go. Three, two, one. Here we go. go.
1: Hello. Hello. (laughs) I told you I was awkward. I was awkward after the pandemic.
0: We have just been talking for about 15 minutes beforehand, been. so that for me weird. to say hello halfway
1: through <laughs> is a little
0: bit strange. Social awkwardness from me. So well thank you so much for being here, we really, really appreciate it. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know. Carry on. <laughs> Listen, for those of you who aren't familiar with yourself, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you sure began, not. how everything came to be, your whole life story <laughs> in Year <one>. 30 seconds. <laughs> in 30 seconds. Got it. the timer on right now. I love a challenge.
1: Uh, my name is David E. and I am the co-founder of Good Light, which is a gender inclusive brand. It's a skincare brand. And I'm also the author of the upcoming uh, book, actually. It's called yeah. Pretty Boy. The Legendary Icons Who Redefine Beauty and How to Glow Up To. Try to say that fast three times. Yeah. (laughs) And that is coming out June 22nd. And the editor and founder of Very Good Light, a men's and mask identifying beauty website.
0: Which is amazing. And let's just get straight into it, (laughs) shall we? Can Um, I just say really quickly about about your book coming up? I'm such a huge fan of um, beauty history, and I feel like something that isn't really touched on is um, Uh, gender in history. It is very sighty, like women couldn't do this, men expected this. But when it comes to certain icons throughout history, they're very rarely touched on. So I cannot wait for the book to come out because it's going to be such an amazing, important part of beauty history that I don't think anyone has really touched on before. So yeah, I'm so excited. It's it's such my little thing. Yeah, of course.
1: I feel like so many of the gatekeepers and historians are afraid Mm. to talk about the femininity or an expansive version of masculinity or how these powerful beings or warriors wore Mm -hmm. makeup as Mm -hmm. if it makes them less than or weaker. But, you know, we'll we'll touch upon that later. But it's so fascinating that all powerful people, no matter your gender, beautified. I think it's innate within all Mm -hmm. of us. We all want to beautify because we feel powerful when we're snatched.
0: Yeah. Yes! 100%. That's the thing as well. And I think uh, the beauty has moved on, especially more recently, from being a thing of like, you're expected to do it. And especially this year, actually, to a more yeah. self-care, self-empowerment thing. Um, just for a sure. Quick, just a, sorry, I know we need to get into it. Just a quick story. I always remember when I worked in this um, in a certain makeup brand shop... Be you can this... say the brand. When I worked for Mac ages ago, <laughs> <laughs> there was this um, a guy, and he would stand outside with a megaphone. This was in um, Carnaby Street in London, and he would... Um, shout at the the staff who worked and he'd be like, you need to stop objectifying women and all this other stuff. And the, the people who were shopping would always be like, he knows we're doing this because we like
1: makeup. wearing makeup, we yeah. like makeup.
0: And it's, it's very much like, um again, seeing, it's seeing beauty from different um views, and how, I guess, how uh, not a modern so, man, yeah. but a more, I guess, in quotes, classic man, or would would see beauty and actually mm-hmm. think of it as something that's being pushed onto people. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we we'll talk about that later. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Very interesting. Yes, mm. I totally know where, where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, it's it's people people are strange, but we spoke about that already. <laughs> yeah, we talk about it every week. So talking about your brand, and you said it was more gender inclusive, which it absolutely is. Why? What inspired you to create this brand in the first place? I know we kind of touched on it in a tiny bit anyway, but what inspired you to make a brand like Good Light that was more... I mean, you don't necessarily look at it and be like, oh, you know, female, Mm. masculine, what Mm. we see as feminine, what we see as masculine. Why is it important to you to make a brand like that?
1: I think it's really important to make a brand that is inclusive to all people from all Mm, spectrums mm. because makeup and cosmetics has no gender identity, right? Mm. They are tools to empower you and to make you look and feel your best. Growing up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I was the only lone Asian person growing up in, in my school. And it was very, very isolating. I, I felt as if I was less than, or invisible, mm-hmm. or told I wasn't beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I was a kid who slathered my face with SPF 100. And I went oh to school, because my Korean mother, she was like, yeah, you, cool you cannot it's... go to school if you don't douse your face with SPF 100. Back Protect then, unfortunately, yeah. there weren't any invisible kind of uh, sunscreen. I was going to say, And yeah. so I had this gray cast. <laughs> and you can imagine, I'm and I have a oh. widow's peak. So I look oh. like a vampire. Yeah, perfect. Going to school. Perfect. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> it would be chic right now, but when I was right. five years old, it was mortifying. Oh. But my, my mother and my father were immigrants from South Korea. And mm. now in retrospect, I know that it was a means of self-preservation and self-love mm. to really survive mm-hmm. racism in our small town. Yeah. And so with every five minutes in the morning, every five minutes at night, it was really pampering yourself or hugging your face or looking in the mirror and, and that self-actualization and, and really having that moment moment to yourself, pouring Mm, over your pores, looking over and saying, oh, I have an extra freckle or, oh, I'm getting Mm, wrinkles here and there. And I think that was a means for them to really pull through. Years later, it was very jarring to me as a beauty consumer to go into an aisle. And mm-hmm. see that one aisle was hyper masculine, mm-hmm. one aisle was hyper feminine, and when I what I mean is in one section it's always the bearded bro uh, yes. touting <laughs> you know beard oils or yes. razors or shiny yeah. metal packaging. Like. Yeah, mm. and I didn't really feel as if I was a part of that, or that the marketing wasn't for me, or perhaps mm. that razor wasn't for someone like me. Right. And in the you know the opposite spectrum, I almost felt like going into the other aisle was so hyper feminine, only for women as. If if men didn't belong in the makeup aisle or as if we exactly. didn't also love an eyeshadow or, <laughs> you know, having a great highlighter. And so it was a very, very uh, strange experience. I'm someone who loves to pamper myself. I shave, but I also wear makeup. And mm-hmm. so where do I belong? And mm-hmm. it almost mm-hmm. just felt so antiquated in 2021 to gender, you know, genderize makeup products and mm-hmm. to genderize these beauty items because we know that they're for everyone at the end of the yeah. day. And so we wanted to come out with a statement. We're not a genderless brand because we mm. want to honor people's lived inexperienced right and long fought for gender identities so we mm-hmm. want to be gender inclusive and i know there's yes. a lot of brands that say we're genderless you know that we're, we're for everyone but mm-hmm. genderless doesn't really uh consider your fought for long fought for and proud gender identity mm-hmm. right and so we are gender inclusive and i hope that in the future when we do expand into different skews we will continue in the marketing and continuing behind the scenes on on what that means and and bring people in the conversation and lead people kind of into this more inclusive future
0: Future. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what originally struck me about your brand as well. Because go, going back to what you said about taking that time in the mirror to look over your face and like you say, hug your face. And I feel like this year skincare has gone, um, what, like two ways. You either have your um, completely functional skincare, mm. there's some amazing dermatologists online and they've given such amazing free information for everyone. Um, but they're very fun, like function, you know, are over fun. Whereas or you've got the other, t- other side which is fun packaging but really good products, like products that really, really work. They really are the whole package. So I feel like that, to emphasize that skincare is also self-love and self-care and not just something you have to do to let your skin function normally, I think it's so important. And I think going back to the um, the Good Light brand, there is something about it that is so... Um, you connect with it pretty instantly. Because mm. it's not like, as you say, genderless and oh. the fact that, all oh, the bottle's um, white and silver. Right. And mm. they're nu- <laughs> neutral colors, you right. know. Or it's like, there's something about that, there's still style there, there's mm. like an art there as well that people, you still want to connect with the brand. You don't want to be a completely blank canvas that you mm. can just be like, oh I'm allowed to use that because it's for anyone. Mm. This is, it, it really is a brand whose packaging the campaigns, is is just so... What, what, it's just like it's, natural. It's, it's, it's like it's not forcefully done. And saying which, about the campaigns hmm. as well, it it isn't... Um, hmm. You see yourself in the campaigns, you see your skin texture in the campaigns, you see your skin type, you see someone in your campaigns that you connect with as well. Well, that is a friend that you actually know right, in real life, exactly. they're not a model. They're not like, a, well, you know, like a, a runway model. It's so... Yes. but it's, it's not overdone, which I feel like a lot That's of it. brands are doing nowadays? Who it's inclusive. not overdone because there's thought behind it and mm. there's, there's a genuine like passion. Um, people that have lived these lives. Exactly, that's that it. Are it's these. not like we well, now we're suddenly releasing a pride collection because it's Pride Month and then you know and then it, it, everyone moves on is is actually yes. a, a brand where you can see the experience behind it and I think that's that's what's important as well as you know it's coming from a place of um being genuine yeah and not just we're doing right. it at this point because this is what everyone's doing yeah you know? and we have to do it. It doesn't feel right. like you have to do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to touch on something just very quickly as well about um, the the two seeing two genders in store, seeing um, male and female, and it, again for the people that maybe don't feel like they fit into any of those, where there's all the pink bic razors and then there's all the blue Cuc- the bic cucumbers racers. only for women. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Passion fruits only for women. Yeah. and and <laughs> again, it's so important to see something that where people um, aren't pressured into um conforming I guess to a gender and being like, Okay, that one's for me. I have to like fresh cotton. I have to like fresh cotton or I have to like the smell of like, I don't know, musk. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I like the smell of musk. I like <laughs> the smell <laughs> of musk. <laughs> I love
1: that you brought that point up, because for us, we don't want to have to hit the nail on the head and say, we are gender inclusive, mm-hmm. and everything is shouting from the rooftops. This is a real lived-in experience. Yes, mm-hmm. These are the people I hang out with. This is mm-hmm. my world, and it should just be seamless, and it should just look like real life, and yeah. it should be a reflection of your values and your community, mm-hmm. and from very good light, what I learned, we, you know, I launched this in um, 2016, the website, which was all about redefining masculinity mm-hmm. that was a community that came and that was a community that we built together and you know the marketing campaigns were so essential that we had real people from yeah. all mm-hmm. body sizes to skin textures i love right. that you brought that up yeah. and also uh from different backgrounds i mean three of our models are non-binary we had a male model a female model uh an indigenous model who we we rarely see in in marketing mm-hmm. campaigns Absolutely. a southeast asian model you know a darker deeper skin toned black model and I think that for me it's just that is what's beautiful because that's my friendship group this is my lived experience it's my mm-hmm. genuine experience so um, I know that it feels icky and a lot of times we see marketing campaigns we're like oh mm, like mm. I feel like it was so forced and they're trying to do this because they want to be inclusive mm. but diversity equity inclusion has always been what I stood for yeah. I became a journalist you know mm-hmm. a decade ago more than a decade ago because I never saw myself. And because I was so young and I felt that pain of being otherized and feeling invisible and disenfranchised, I never wanted anyone to feel that way. I never wanted anyone to feel the pain of feeling as if you don't belong or as if you are less than or not Mm -hmm. beautiful. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You are that beholder. I am Mm -hmm. my own beholder of my beauty. And that's what we want to promote with Good Light. Yeah.
0: I um, noticed that you said that Good Light really um, and The Good Light in general is kind of, um, not just targeted to but like younger millenni- Millennials and Gen Z. Um, Do you think Gen Z, the the youngest of the Gen Z are growing up in a completely, not completely different world but maybe they are experiencing uh, beauty in particular in a completely different way that we did when we grow up. I feel like there's so much, mm. it's so, so different now. Like literally within like the change we've seen in just the two last two years, or even last year has been so insane. Do you think that they don't quite have that experience we had as far as like that or that, but you have to
1: have that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that Gen Z grew up, they're the first generation that grew up digitally, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially they grew up with an iPhone out of the womb. Yeah. And they that in turn made them more globalized and uh, their world smaller because mm-hmm. they could see what people are doing in Korea or in Paris or in the UK where you both exactly. live. And and so I think that they have a deeper and and more uh, uh I guess they're more aware of how the world works and how diversity works and why it's important to Mm -hmm. promote diversity. Whereas when we were growing up, and I don't want to assume how you both grew up in the UK, but when I was growing up, I never saw, you know, plus size models. I never saw Mm -hmm. Asian models. I never Mm -hmm. still see Asian men, you know, represented Mm -hmm. in an authentic way in the media. Mm -hmm. We still have a lot of work to do, Mm -hmm. but I will say Gen Z is very hyper aware of that. And they're going to fight tooth and nail for justice. And they're going to stand with you. And that's what I am inspired by. I'm like, wow, we are progressing with the younger generations. Mm. They are loud. They are proud. They are boisterous. And they're not going to back down. And they're going to tell you what they really believe in. And they're fearless. And I really do really, I respect that about that generation. Mm. We do too. Sorry to cut you off. We always make this like
0: TikTok joke about, you know, the Gen Z, they're on TikTok and all this kind of stuff. But, essentially younger Millennials and Gen Z want the same thing. Mm. We really do. And there's, you know, I know it's all just banter really, but there's the whole Millennials versus Gen Z thing as well online. But <laughs> essentially we The hair part just... in the middle. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. no skinny jeans. <laughs> um, They're so comfortable. I don't know why we can't wear skinny jeans. Um, <laughs> But essentially we all just want the same thing. But like you said, I feel like Gen Z are loud and proud about it. Mm-hmm. They, You can see they're living it. You can see their... Um, it sounds so true, but even just the way they dress. Like, if yeah. kids our age dre- when we were that age dressed like that, you'd be called like a circus freak, because you have a bit of color in your hair. Do you mm. mean like, there'd be more, ex- much, much exactly. more experimental and mm-hmm. open and... It's like, it's like you were saying, when we were growing up, we didn't see a certain type of model. It was always the same type of model. Actually, the Heroin I remember thing. That was a thing. Remember? Was a thing. Mm-hmm. I remember looking through, like, when we used to have catalogs, because you couldn't, couldn't shop online, right. always the same models, always the same mm-hmm. on every, it was always every the same guy. Color, every different yeah, brand. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've grown up with, I guess, and a uh, a standard of beauty that's been put on us. Like, this is beauty, that's beauty, which everybody knows, we all know. Whereas Gen Z are growing up with brands like yours Mm. that have all these different people, and this is the standard of beauty, this is what beauty is. So uh, somewhere in the backs of our minds, we were always told, actually... I
1: wonder if...
0: sorry, completely off off topic, but I wonder if... we grew up with like celebrities, right? Being our role models, Mm. like, um, and models, like... You know, Kate Moss and Naomi, well actually we're not We're not that old, but Kate Moss and, like <laughs> Naomi Campbell didn't we like being the big models at the time and um, I wonder if it's because Gen Z also are grown up with influencers, their idols are these people of all yeah. shapes and sizes. They can choose who their idols they can are, can choose we, who we who didn't really get a choice, are. did we? Yeah. We were told.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well the thing is, I think we have all in the Western world been conditioned to believe that masculinity looks a certain way or mm-hmm. that beauty looks a certain way. Yeah. And it's very Westernized. It's very colonized. And yes. it really does come from erasure. And it's very deliberate, right? When we think yeah. about how the Western world was created, it was through white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And through, and so when we do our homework and we look back in time and understand why these structures are in place, they were very deliberate to benefit one sort of person uh, and yes. one sort of people in power. And I think the remnants are still around obviously and they seep through every crack and every pore of Mm -hmm. our society Mm -hmm. but right now we are doing the work and we're also questioning everything that we know and we Mm, must do that so that Mm -hmm. we can overcome and I'm really really just really very proud of diverse folks or diverse-minded folks that are standing with other communities and Mm -hmm. are allying with other communities too because together we are making an impact and I think the beauty industry has to listen and they're like okay well the consumers are all demanding this even if it's coming from a facetious place and we don't Mm -hmm. really believe it we're going to have to do it because that's what they want and that's what they demand. Exactly. And if it's genuine or not, it's still making an impact because yes. we're seeing the ripple effects. We're seeing exactly. the trickle-down effects and, and other people are now feeling seen and they're mm. feeling beautiful and empowered. And I think that's a really good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. agreed completely. I Let's talk a little bit about how we feel, allegedly in our opinion, <laughs> brands see oh, um, gender. Reasons, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brands see gender. So if we're talking... let's, for example, we say we see four men, four women.
1: Do you think brands think it's important to separate those two? I think so. And mm. I think when we look at history, not to go back to history, but everything we need to delve into and, and question right. why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the history of the gender binary, it was created to really serve a purpose of division. Mm -hmm. And I think the words masculinity and femininity, if you dissect what those words mean, they really don't mean anything. Like, you're calling me feminine because I wear makeup. Mm -hmm. Well, men have always worn makeup, so how is that feminine? Mm, Or that woman is so masculine because she's wearing a suit. Well women also have always worn clothes that were kind of more gender inclusive throughout the years in history so what does that exactly mean and I think that we have to really be conscious of this division and why it occurred and it's because Mm. of the patriarchy right Mm, right. it's because of men in power were afraid that women could take control and so it was this misogynistic feeling and this idea that men were superior because they could grow facial hair or Mm. they were stronger or their Mm. physicality yeah. which makes no sense it doesn't that doesn't make you more powerful um or have more agency that really what it, what it does prove as is, is that throughout history one type of person has always been in power because they were afraid of the mm, other yeah and i think oh this my trickle down effect yeah. of misogyny of hating or fearing women has really been effective because in the 21st century we see remnants of yeah. of that and so when we say okay this is a masculine product and this is a feminine product, Mm. are we still kind of promoting this misogynistic idea or patriarchal idea that Mm. this type of person is supposed to be this way and that type of person is supposed to be grouped in that manner? Mm. Right. But I do think that... Since, you know, we do live in a binary, uh, it's it's very still effective for brands to, say, make up for men Mm. or, you know, this is for this type of person because by and large, we all haven't woken up to the idea that we've been conditioned Mm. along the binary and these gender roles that were unfairly placed upon us. And so because of that reason, I do still think that we have a lot of work to do and I understand why brands are marketing their products to men, to women, this is masculine, this is feminine, because we have to uh, detach ourselves from that conditioning. Right.
0: I'd love to ask your opinion on um, a brand that became quite like a, a hot topic. Um, war paint. So the makeup for men. Are, do right. you know? Yeah. So I'd love to, I've, again, there was like two sides of the argument. I think there was one that this is ridiculous, like why war and men and guns and, you know, like why does it have to be such a masculine thing? Mm-hmm. Then the other side was like, well... If they want to use that, let them use it, kind of thing. It, and it, I, people are seeing it more as like a well, if men are going, if we're going to um, like not have such a big divide, is this like an ease in to lessen that divide? Men wearing makeup coming out of there, feeling and, comfortable because it's got yeah, war it's on in the a cigarette front of it. Case Yeah, you know, I, I love to know. things like that. Yeah. Do you think what? What's your opinion on that? Do you think it's it's, it's productive, productive or counterproductive?
1: At first, I was like, why do we have to stroke the egos of Mm. male fragility or masculine fragility? Yeah. Why is it that we have to put war or we need to mm-hmm. make this into something that is hyper-masculine? Right. Because at the end of the day, what is hyper-masculinity? It is an over-exaggeration of what we have been conditioned to think is masculinity. Right. So it's someone who is oftentimes over hypersexualized, or mm-hmm. someone who is overly aggressive in mm-hmm. their expression. Mm-hmm. And that all leads to violence, right? Mm-hmm. Hyper-masculinity leads to violence. Absolutely. And so when I saw War Paint... The first reaction I had was, oh, you know, this is this will lead to violence It'll propel this notion of fragile masculinity or mm-hmm. misguided masculinity. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, people use the word toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I don't like to use that term anymore. I think it's dated. Mm-hmm. I like to say misguided masculinity, yeah. people who have not been able to understand their own identities. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that there's a market. Fortunately or unfortunately for a type of man who needs a concealer, but perhaps is too ashamed or too afraid to go into a Sephora and get Fenty. Or yeah. go into, you know, the beauty aisle at a local boots or CVS mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and go to the women's aisle right. because it hasn't been normalized still. Right. So yeah. I think collectively we all have the ability. And I would say the onus is upon all of us to change the narrative and say, hey, when it comes to marketing, why can't we normalize makeup for all? Why is yeah. it still stigmatized? Yeah. And I think men are so afraid. Men don't want permission from other women. They want permission from other men. They care about what other men think about them. And so I think we just need to normalize this normalize that masculinity isn't a narrow construct or definition Mm -hmm. that masculinity is vast masculinity Mm -hmm. is big Mm -hmm. masculine expression can encompass a lot of things but also we need to understand that femininity is also powerful and divine and that Mm -hmm. all of us have that uh, great mix between masculinity and feminine energy Mm -hmm. and it's that yin and yang together Mm -hmm. that make us a whole and very healthy person
0: yes Agreed. Agreed. Very well put. Yes. And when I everyone asks me again, I'm just going to play that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I don't know, but no. listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Talking mm. about, um, <clears throat> you, you mentioned brands kind of putting things out there, makeup out there, being more, not just aimed at, you know, people who are feminine. How could, um, or do you think there's a reason why brands are maybe too scared to almost rebrand themselves? And like brands that are considered more, classic, um, classic brands, like let's say for example Estee Lauder or something like that, or YSL, where they're in department stores and it's usually, um, you know, all um, mature women. All smells like rose. All smells like rose. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you think there is, or do you think brands are scared to try and start including
1: everyone? I think brands are terrified Mm. of these cultural shifts that are happening in seismic ways that aren't just happening, you know, in decades. It's happening overnight, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that brands are really rethinking their entire marketing plan or what they believe in and what they stand for. I think unfortunately these brands really don't stand for a bigger mission except for capitalism and Mm -hmm. being out there and gaining as much as they can Mm -hmm. Um, but smaller brands are starting out with missions right we have brands like self-made which is all about mental health or good Mm -hmm. light which is all about gender inclusivity Mm -hmm. Um, and and there's brands like rare beauty by Selena Mm -hmm. Gomez that that are also about mental health and I think that you have to stand for something now or you fall for everything and unfortunately these big conclusions Conglomerates have never stood for anything. They've never stood for a social cause and in their DNA, it's not in there. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they are pivoting and trying to pivot fast, fast, see what is authentic to them, what is real to them. But it's very difficult. It's a very difficult transition because they do have a built-in audience and customer base that they don't want to alienate. But at the same time, they're thinking, we need to progress into the future. Beauty is the way through. Mm -hmm. And I think that beauty is the most progressive industries out there. And so how do they kind of pivot that's in an authentic way now that's a real challenge that i feel like every brand is thinking and trying to tiptoe around but it's something that they need to do quickly or else they're going to be irrelevant in the next few years or next few months yeah we did recently um
0: I thought of that question because we did a panel, not that long ago. It was with, like a private panel. Yeah, um, over the fa- over the face... no, what was it? Zoom. Zoom, that's it, Zoom. <laughs> I keep always forget what it's Yeah, little Zoom. And um, it was with bigger brands, and we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't see them, but we knew they were there. Yeah, they were and watching. they were asking us a lot of questions, and that one in particular as well, or sorry, the one I'm going to ask you, is they, a lot of them were asking, how can a brand like Clinique Essay-Lauder, what can they do, do you think, to start... Including everyone and not seeing uh, like there being like, is more... it as simple as changing packaging? Is right. it as simple as changing the names to make them, you know, more le- less fluffy or less hard hitting? Mm. Like, and that's the kind of questions we were getting. Was like, oh, should we change our packaging from pink to clear? And it's like it's <laughs> not. Again, it's a, that thing of like we we gave an example of like deodorant. It's like we were saying cucumber is always women's deodorant. It's cucumber and something, and men's is always gym, I don't know green <laughs> leather, leather and tobacco, you know, and it's it's all oh, these things that are considered so it's like they were getting it wrong. They were like, What do we do? what do we do? Do we change the packaging? It was like no, <laughs> just allow us to pick and we, like... we, that's it. And we were saying, and like you were saying, brands are starting now with a mission, and people um see brands like they are people. It's not like, you know, it's like a good light like, is my friend because this is how they see the world. You mm. know, Rare Beauty is my friend because this is how they see the world. Whereas you don't go, oh, um, I don't know, Clinique's uh, my friend because they all wear lab coats. Like, it's not like, <laughs> it, that's not something you, you think of, you know. Yeah. And it, people now are picking brands based on, like they're picking friends. Mm, so right. if we were to say, for example, I know I keep using Estée Lord and Clinique as a... Because you're I familiar They're with the them. best example. If we were to change our friend Estee Lauder, do you think there's a way that they can pivot and be like, in a genuine way, that seems genuine, where they can be like, okay, our brand isn't just for what we consider feminine
1: people or You females? know, I have, I have mixed feelings about this because mm. everyone deserves to be redeemed or try to do the right thing. But if you're even asking that question, how can we be more inclusive or how Mm. can we Mm -mm. be more of this generation? You're already behind because that means that the decision makers inside who are creating these brands or have the agency aren't from the communities that you're trying to market to. Oh, right. And so yeah. if you're trying to be more inclusive, do you have enough Asian people in management, enough black folks who are, you know, heading these departments? Do you have enough right. people who are, you know, not just on the gender binary or non-binary folks or trans folks who are also a part of your departments? Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of have to question these brands and say, okay, you don't know the answers and you should know the answers because Mm. that should be who is making the decisions. Are you trying to capitalize on diversity and inclusion or are you actually being diverse and inclusive? Mm. Are you paying someone to tell you what DE&I is or are you practicing it within your own company? And that's what brands really need to ask themselves. If you don't know and if you're asking, then maybe you should question uh, your own company. Look around. And if there's only one person that maybe looks different or everyone has the same morals and values as you do, perhaps it's time, time to have some self-reflection and mm-hmm. really pivot in that way first before you try to change your brand.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of like, again, if we were saying like brands are people, it's kind of, you can't just be like, oh, okay, now I'm, I'm just saying this. You have to kind of do some more, do the I guess, work. self-realization. Do the yeah, work. and do the work yes. to change it yourself and actually... It changes the... well, I guess it is changing yourself, but to, to see, you know, the world in a certain way. You can't just be like, okay, everyone's saying you need to do this, so let's do it. But that's <laughs> it, like you said, you, we want to see brands as a person mm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. We want to know like, would we be friends with this brand? Would we hang out with them? Would we support them and their, their views? Mm. So, it's like you said, and that only comes from, like you said,
1: authenticity from the inside. So,
0: Right, and
1: you can't this is this is the problem with brands right now not only in beauty because de and i is such a buzzword right now everyone wants to capitalize on that and everyone wants to say i took a course my hands are clean and i can just move on we're Mm. not racist and we did our homework Mm. no DEI is a lifelong journey, mm. and you have to dismantle what you think every single day. And that takes a lot of work and effort. Mm. And I think if you want to be diverse, hire a diverse pool, but that doesn't mean that you're inclusive, right? Diversity and inclusion are two different yeah. meanings. You can have a diverse workplace, but are you including people in the mm. decisions? Are you including mm. people in the workplace activities? Are you including a diverse thought to really be implemented? Mm-hmm. And these are the things that conglomerates are still not doing and I can't tell you enough there are so many brands I have friends who work at major major beauty brands and they tell me that it's just all about performance and performative on social media they have to make a statement they have to make a a small donation so that they don't Mm -hmm. get called out but do they really care
0: So, speaking about your book, one word I instantly connected with (laughs) was the word pretty. Um, We were saying before that as someone who, um, whose career previously was majority for men, every title was for men. Mm -hmm. Grooming, for men. Mm -hmm. Skincare, for men. Styling, for men. The word grooming, I didn't connect to. um, Handsome, I never connected to. Pretty was something that I always felt I connected with and wanted over handsomeness mm, or masculinity yeah. or mm. oh you know you you look like a real like sm- in suits and stuff. You I never like, never you wanted... look really suave. Yeah, yeah. I never <laughs> wanted any of that. I wanted to look cute. I wanted to look pretty. I wanted to look nice you know. Mm. And there, there just seems to be this time like going back to your book and the history of makeup and all these kind of things. When did the word pretty become such a taboo for men to be called pretty you know?
1: Yes. Mm. I love that question. It is such a Very smart question. We have a chapter in the book that poses that question. When did men stop wearing makeup? Mm. That's actually the first chapter that sets up the entire book because everyone has that question. Mm. But before that, let's unpack the word pretty, right? Because in a lot of ways, when we call a man or a mask identifying person pretty – we use that as a pejorative to put them down, mm-hmm. to gain power or, over mm-hmm. them, to take away their agency, to embarrass them, yes, or yeah. so on and so forth. And so when you say, you're pretty, you're a pretty boy. That means uh, you look like a woman, maybe. Right. Um, you uh, are weak, like a woman. Mm-hmm. You are too into your aesthetics, so do we need to question your sexuality? Mm-hmm. So it has these undertones, these nefarious undertones of misogyny and homophobia. Mm -hmm. And so pretty has always been weaponized against most guys throughout our modern history. But when we look back in history, men and mask identifying folks have always enjoyed being pretty Mm -hmm. and beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we go back to our Neanderthal forefathers 50,000 years ago, BCE. This was a time that Neanderthals were roaming the world and and, and inhabiting Earth long before humans. But we have our misconception of cavemen, Neanderthals, Mm, that they were just mm. grunting kind of creatures who threw rocks together and called it a day. (laughs) But they were... They actually innately wanted to beautify. Mm. And so they would ground up pyrite and use it on their face for highlighters. And they would use foundation. So I just My eyes just went and wet. And it wasn't a tribal thing. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a tribal thing. It was a beautifying oh, no thing. Oh, Yeah. Yes, and so when we look into our innate selves and our Neanderthals who are our cousins, they innately men, women, and everyone wanted to beautify. Oh but when God, we look at that. powerful leaders like Pharaoh Ramses or when we look into powerful people like uh, Cyrus the Great or when we look at these powerful kings like King Louis XIV, these powerful men were the pinnacle of beauty, mm. pinnacle of masculinity, of might. They were godly creatures. But they happen to all wear makeup, happen to wear wigs. I mean, King Louis XIV started the entire wig trend in the 1700s because he might have had an STI and he was Possibly. like, uh, I I'm losing all my hair, so I can one go bald or two start a wig trend. Yes. And he started a wig trend, and just like Regina George from Mean Girls who cut out boobs, right. you know, oh, yeah. circles in her boobs and made a trend, he was like, I'm gonna marry I'm gonna wear these wigs and everyone's gonna follow suit. And it became this huge thing. And even with Pharaoh Ramses, who is arguably the most powerful pharaoh in history, wore eyeliner, wore coal around his eyes because it was godly. Mm. Before he got out of bed, he had dozens of servants who, when he awoke, they're waiting by to clip his nails, to dunk him in milk, to exfoliate his skin with milk and honey, to scrub down his body. Sugaring was a practice where they uh, essentially waxed every part of his body so he had no hair anywhere. Oh, my God. And, you know, then he would wear this wig. And the wig was a sign of uh, masculinity. And Mm. also, it was a sign of royalty and godliness. And so, when we look at the most powerful beings... I mean, assassins too. We're going back into 600 Shinla Dynasty, Korea. There were these assassins called the Hwarang and they were basically called the Hwarang because they were called the Pretty Boys. It means flower boys in Korean. They were assassins who were the most beautiful men, handpicked by the king. They had to be beautiful because he believed that Maitreya, who was the most beautiful Buddha god in the Buddhist religion, was a pretty boy and his spirit lived and breathed with other people who were pretty. And so he, chose. Just like a K-pop competition, he was like, you're the prettiest (laughs) boys. Okay, you're like Maitreya, you're like Maitreya, come into our assassinship. And they became the most fierce warriors in in Korea, but they happened to wear makeup as a spiritual practice. And so throughout history, all men, mask identifying folks have beautified more in a tribal way, Mm. but as a means of expression, as a means of spirituality, to feel connected to a higher power. And it was only during the Enlightenment period, which really did F everything up, when people needed to be more serious. Mm. So in the 1700s in Europe, when we're just talking about the Western world, there was a group of people called the macaroni. I don't know if you've yes. heard about the macaroni yeah. in, in, yeah. Yeah, oh, in oh, British oh. culture. Oh, so the macaroni were these kind of pretentious and I would say that they were like the hipsters of right. their day. Yeah. They came back from studying abroad and they wore tighter clothes oh, because they were like so very learned mm-hmm. from going to Europe at, or around Europe like Italy or France. They adopted wigs and extravagant clothing and also makeup. So when they came home they were lampooned and people were like "Uh, they're we're going to call them macaroni because all they eat is this weird Italian dish called macaroni. So let's just oh facetiously God. poke fun of them and call them the macaroni. Mm. But these macaroni were these lavish men who wore makeup, who wore rouge, who cared so much about their appearance, oh. but were villainized for it. Yeah. And it's funny because if you look at cartoons, there's a cartoon um, of, of this of, of this man in rural uh, Britain. And he's he has a stick. And he's poking at his son's hat that he has on his wig. And he's like, where did my son go? Why do you look... Like this, and I was laughing because I was like, That's what my dad did when I came back from college wearing skinny jeans. Like, it shows that generationally, like, father, sons, or like people and humans are all the same. But it was so fascinating because, you know, men wore makeup, men wore wigs, but it was until the 1800s, the Enlightenment period, and the Victorian era, mm. which was so stark mm. that that ended and macaroni and men who wore makeup were despised. And mm. they were they were celebrities of their time because everyone was fascinated with them. Yeah. But by the end of the 1700s, early 1800s, when the Victorian period came over, when this new mindset of being stark and you have to be serious and if you did anything frivolous, it was considered less than... And feminine, mm. and you were uh, subhuman, and so the Enlightenment, the Enlightenment period, and the Victorian era came about, and that was exacerbated by a world war. And Mm. so colonization and war and also people really wanting to put their flags on other nations, uh, that really propelled this idea that men had to be hyper-masculine and they couldn't do anything that was frivolous. Everything had to be serious. Mm. And so I would say that that was really the turning point of when men had to stop being so soft, quote unquote, and had to be more hyper-masculine because they were propelled into war. Mm. And the war era also created this gender divide and the binary. I mean, a little even before that, women were considered less than because they weren't as physically strong. Mm. And, you know, it was very deliberate that kings had to bring women down because they needed to, you know, assert their power. But if you look at the history and the historical text in the 1900s, World War I, we're talking it's not that long Mm. ago. Men were shipped off to war. And who was left behind to take over the jobs? The women. women were. Mm. And so men who had these uh, jobs of manual labor at the post office or at factories, they needed to fill these positions. And all if all the men were out in the war, the women took over. And the women weren't used to working these jobs. And because the men were very much supposed to be hyper-masculine, that forced women to be hyper Feminine, right. and so if you look at the advertising in the early 1900s, it's all about if you're if you're American and if you really are nationalistic, you need to wear makeup and lipstick mm-hmm. and, and pantyhose because the men coming back they feel yeah. as <laughs> if they've been replaced yeah. and they feel as if they're not inspired. So you need to be a cheerleader for them mm. and you need to ensure that they have something to look forward to. And that's when the pinup girl came about, and that's when you know brands like Tangine and and uh, you know all. All of these uh, uh, makeup brands capitalize mm. on war to yes, really inculcate yes. into women that they needed to look hyper hyper mm. feminine. Mm. And so that was a lasting remnant of even today in 2021, when we don't realize that makeup has always been universal and something empowering for men. Mm. And that, you know, when we look at it, the undertones of the cosmetics industry is very misogynistic. Mm. And it is very much about forcing women to look a certain way to satisfy men and their fantasies Mm. and for objectification Mm. and so it's very very interesting it's very fascinating but what is very very evil and nefarious i think is the remnants of this idea that men have to be a certain way and Mm. women have to be a certain way and we're not even considering non-binary folks right
0: i find it so strange because it's i don't know it's just growing up like, as a gay man. But all for, I would say even throughout our childhood, our idols were females. Whether it was, like, mm. Sailor Moon being, like, our very first, like, female <laughs> idol ever. We <laughs> then grown up with all these amazing, like, I, I feel like this is very predominant within, like, the gay community, right? Like, we idolize... I'm a Storm from
1: X-Men, I oh, love them. Storm yes. from X-Men. But like, oh, the original
0: TV animation, yeah. like, yes. And we, we idolize, and we see these, like, amazingly strong female characters. And to me, they've always been way more inspiring in my life than, I don't know, um, Sergeant Smith. <laughs> I don't know, Wolverine. I mean like Wolverine, <laughs> Wolverine you know? Captain America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. isn't it strange?
1: I think that it's because gay people, and I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think that gay men have always been in tune with their emotions Mm. and their softness and their femininity, Mm. and it's powerful, right? And so when we look at other people who embody femininity, like, say, a storm or sailor moon, but are still powerful, Mm. we are drawn to that, Mm. right? We are drawn to that femininity because that's what we see is strong and what we see that's strong about us, too, subconsciously. But I really do think that when we say, even in our communities everywhere, that, oh, it's so feminine, like, why are you so girly? Like, we need to stop doing that Mm. because the undertones are misogynist. Yeah, it is. You're saying that uh, you're girly and that's a bad thing. Mm. Or when you say, oh, she is a tomboy, that's a good thing Mm. because she's more like a guy right and so we need to understand why we think certain ways mm. and it's very intentional cuz we've been conditioned to believe masculinity is is more powerful or it's something that we should aspire to be compared to femininity yeah but we all need to understand that we have both yeah. and we have to balance that out mm. yeah this is like a comment i often get
0: cuz i usually have nail polish on i i like to wear little little lip tint and you know obviously the the way acts is what's Considered more feminine, do you mean know, for for a guy? Um, so when I get these comments like, "Why do you paint your nails?" That's literally the comment. That's a girl's thing to do. I reply like, "Why?" Like, because I genuinely don't take that as an insult. I'm yeah. like, oh, "Okay, cool. So what's wrong with that?" Never get a reply. Mm. Never. These people, these trolls, will never come back with a reply to that because they don't understand why they think that themselves. No, exactly. But like, okay, so why is that a bad thing? Mm. Do you know what I mean they? But let's they just go to history. Mm.
1: Let's go to history. So the first. Uh, instance of painting your nails were from the Babylonians, which was thousands of years ago. And Babylonians would go into a salon before battle. So imagine your last day on Earth. You might be sliced. You might be have your head chopped off. But before you go into battle, you're like, I'm going to look my nails. best. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look snatched. I'm going to get my nails done. <laughs> and so they went into a salon, and they had their nails painted, their, oh their, their manicures and pedicures into a salon. And when we see royals of China, like Chinese uh, people started the entire fake acrylic nail trend. And so royals, yes, royals would have these golden long nails. And that was a symbol of power and royalty so kings and emperors wore these false nails they grew their nails longer and had gold and you know the history of nails is from men and men use this as a symbol of power and so when people are saying you're feminine it's like well actually you're not doing your homework and you're just seeing what we're seeing in the past decade or century Mm. let's go back let's rewind to see that men have always used this nail polish and I have an entire chapter actually on the history of nails I'm genuinely like like, everything you've
0: said I've been in shock about each one because like genuinely knew nothing. I, I cannot wait to read that. Those macaroni yes. guys were like the first influencer. I, okay, I have to Google I think them. some of them got a bit ahead of themselves, like some influencers <laughs> do. <laughs> but- yes. Dishing yeah. out discount so codes. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, you know it's so interesting. When I'm looking at the macaroni I chuckle. I'm like, they were the influencers of right, the 1700s so and they were treated the same way. Yeah. It's so many similarities yeah. and it's just so, so interesting. But even if you... Okay, so... As historians will say, the Vikings were very macho, Mm, beautiful mm. men. I mean, that's been written everywhere in history that they were over six feet tall. They were very muscular. But even the machoist men, the Vikings, who were very intimidating, they had a day called Lager Day, which means bath day, every Saturday. So every Saturday, they would take the entire day to bathe. And this was sacrilegious because in that time period, um, it was very much stigmatized to take a bath. So British people, Anglo-Saxons, they would not take baths because it was considered unchristian-like. And because you had to get naked, it wasn't very... It wasn't something that you should do. So queens, like um, Queen Elizabeth I, she probably bathed, what, twice a year? or (laughs) No, twice in her lifetime. Twice in her lifetime. So these people never bathed... What they would do is they would take, like, maybe a wet cloth and just, like, you know, get the grime off. Yeah. But they all believed that if you had grime on your body, bacteria wouldn't go into your body. Oh, but the Vikings that. were like, uh, that's disgusting. We're going to actually uh, bathe, bathe once a week. <laughs> and so everyone judged them. They're like, they are so pagan. They oh are my evil. God. But the Vikings also, next to their sword and shield, had a grooming kit. Full of scissors or tweezers or combs and they were really into their aesthetics. And so even the most macho of men, the pinnacle of masculinity in many people's minds, they were beauty boys. Oh they loved God. to pamper themselves. And so what are we saying when we say, okay, pampering yourself or caring too much about your aesthetics isn't manly when you and I will all agree probably, like maybe a cis straight man will say, the Vikings were the coolest, they're the most macho. Right. Well, they mm-hmm. were beauty boys. Yeah. <laughs> they were beauty boys oh my god I and so love yes that. we have this entire chapter called you've got nail ah. and from 3200 bce i talk about or i write about the babylonian military and how um they all went into a beautiful salon and they would get ready and they'd then have their nail polish the nails applied color coordinated with their lips and their eyes nice and, yes, by beauti- beauticians, oh and God. um there's a, an imprint on one of these boxes full of these uh, beautifying tools that says, "No man of importance would permit himself to be seen in public unless he had been beautified. These warriors, Babylonian warriors.
0: oh my God, I love I them. Love <laughs>
1: That is so cool. So good. I can't wait so, for, so for
0: your book, it's going to be so incredible. And oh. there's just so much, again, like I, I always think I know so much about beauty history from the feminine stuff, like, mm-hmm. um, I'm quoting. Yeah, I, feminine. I always forget you can't see this, <laughs> um, view on everything. It's all about, you know, women in makeup. But to, to go that far back and see, you know, it's been men also from all this time is incredible. Like, we know it but we don't know it to that Mm. extent, you know. Like, that's insane. Oh, I cannot wait, I'm so excited. I have one last question for you, if that's okay, if you have time. Um, Of course. So one thing I find, I'm obsessed with um, K-beauty, Korean skincare. And I -hmm. I also find it weird that a lot of people are like, oh you know, K-beauty is a real trend. and, And I think it's a trend, I think we've learned a lot from Korean skincare. I don't think it's, it's never been a trend because it's existed the whole time. We've just picked up on it, we've learned so much, all these amazing ingredients that we would have never used before in the Western world. One thing I do see is that there seems to be a lot more um, makeup for men on the market in South Korea. Things like lip tints, um, BB cushions, BB creams. Things that maybe makeup, makeup for that... men brands wouldn't have maybe... Yeah, creative, even like touched on. Do you think that's something, again, that we can learn from the South Korean like beauty industry as far as kind of cutting down that little bit of a, a wall when it comes to makeup for men and men's, um, how how men see... Um, cosmetics in general and skincare and makeup and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yes, I think that that's such a a great question. When you go to South Korea, every man is wearing baby cream. They Mm. have the dewiest complexions. Mm. They all have their eyebrows done and they really care about their outer appearance Mm. because in Korea, you know, if you respect yourself, you're going to respect how you present to the world. Mm. And it's very Confucianist. If you look at Confucianism, it's all about presenting yourself to the world in a respectful way Mm. And I think that Korean men and women, everyone in general, really puts an emphasis on respecting themselves so that other people w- will respect them as mm-hmm. well. And so in this culture, men for men, it's not stigmatized to wear makeup, to care about skincare. Mm-hmm. It's expected. It's like, mm. um, why would you want to look like a heathen? Or why would you want to go out of your way to look like you're not put together when <laughs> right. you have a, an option or a choice to do yeah. so? Right. It was very fascinating when I was in the metro or the subways of South Korea. They're these military guys who are in the military, mm. but they have bags of in is free because they have street oh, masks in there and their skincare. And I'm like, this is so amazing and special mm. that it's not considered taboo or feminine to care about yourself. Mm. It's the most masculine act because the most masculine act is caring about yourself and self-preservation and self-love. Mm. Yeah. And I think that Korean men really do embody that. And I'll leave you with this. It was very fascinating looking at a report this was back in, you know, 2017. It probably may have changed. They did a survey of young 20s men in college. And they asked them, what's one thing you would do if you're late to class? What What's that one thing you would never leave the house without? And I was like, obviously, it was brushing your teeth, right? Yeah, like, yeah. washing your face. And I was surprised because it's not. For South Korean men, they said that they would never leave the house without doing their eyebrows. And I was like, oh, yeah. excuse yeah. me? You would not leave the house without doing your eyebrows? And I was like, wow, the culture is so different mm. but so interesting yeah. that eyebrows signify masculinity and power oh, and they yeah. would never be without their their eyebrows. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. But, you know, that's how progressed, you know, South Koreans are. And obviously, you know, K-pop stars are so sexy and the epitome, I would say, of, of just beautiful mm. men. But it's interesting because I also feel... And I kind of touch upon this in the book. I almost feel like the history of Korea has been through the parang, the warriors, And maybe they've been resurrected from century to century, generation to generation. The pretty boy mentality Mm. and that mantra has been passed down Mm. from centuries before from their ancestors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Again, I I can't wait to read the book. I cannot wait. It's going to be so incredible. It's going to be so good. I feel like we could talk forever. Yeah. But we must leave it there. We'll let you get (laughs) on. Thank you so much. That was so incredible. I think we both Thank learned you. something and um, e- everything, everything. <laughs> 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 um, do you want to share any socials of us anything apart uh, as well as your book you've uh, you said the date already do oh my god know? I wanted to talk loads more about your skin skincare but listen go on to my YouTube channel yeah. I'm going to be talking about oh. it
1: non-stop for the next couple of months because I love it. Um, it it's incredible there'll be a review there thank you, so much. <laughs> thank you you know I want to say you can find us at goodlight.world on TikTok and also on Instagram you can follow at very good light if you want to read reviews or editorials and you can find me at social but I just want to say thank you so much both of you for providing a safe space and providing Mm. me to feel comfortable to talk about these subjects and I feel like I can just gab on with you two and I feel like we're immediately BFFs and I definitely need to hang out with you both but thank you for all you do and just being so warm and lovely and and just beautiful human beings oh Oh, pleasure! thank you it's not very often we hear that (laughs) (laughs) don't go on Reddit
0: Thank you so much, thank you. Well, <laughs> but I love that. episode this week, that but was it was a long perfect. episode. I cannot wait for that book to come out, I'm so excited. I will post a picture of it. And, yeah. We came away from that, that mm. um, chat so excited about the book, so excited about what we can genuinely learn. Because you're yeah. so into makeup history. Yeah. But there's just some stuff that isn't as well documented. So the research that would have had to go into that book is incredible, and I want to know more. Um, I want to feel manly with my nail varnish. Exactly. I think, like <laughs> I, want to I, feel I feel said, like go to war. <laughs> yeah, like I said in, in the episode, it's so like um, we we see a lot about beauty and history and how men told women they couldn't do this and they had to do that, which is beauty history pretty much. Mm. But very rarely do we see the part where men wore makeup and just and did all these amazing glamorous things like the, the spas we, um, David was telling us about oh, and no. the the salons. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. I cannot wait for that. To Come out, read more about it. I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. so excited. I've never been excited to read before, so this is really I know. something. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it has good, good big pictures for us as well. Yeah, and it's um, in color. <laughs> also, remember you can use the code double um, to get buy one get one free on Good Light skincare. Highly, highly recommend. Again, I recommend you double up on the cleanser if you want the full collection. Oh, Robert's just I mean? put his hair into a middle <laughs> parting and it's just the trying worst it. Thing just try it. Seen. Yeah, so you can go to goodlight.world and use the code DOUBLE. And just watch, when you get to the homepage, just watch the advertisement on there, and just feel good about your own skin, that your skin has texture, that your skin is normal, and normal people look like this, you know. Yes. It's beautiful advertising. Yes. Oh, right, well thank you so much. much, and thank you so much again to David for being with us, giving us that discount code, and just making an amazing episode with us. Thank you all for joining us, we will see you next week. Yes. We say that, but will we? No, we will. We We will. (laughs) (laughs) We have it planned. Sometimes we don't know. (laughs) 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 Sorry guys, it's planned. We've planned it. We've done it, we've done it, we've done it. Well, I've been Robert Welsh. And I've been James Welsh. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. We'll